0: Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25-33. through Hear now the word of the Lord. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, Thanks be to God. Amen. Matthew 6 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. It's terrible advice. And I say it's terrible advice because has anyone here ever actually taken the advice, do not worry, seriously? Or, or not necessarily seriously, but actually followed through on it to the point where you were really worried about something and somebody said, don't worry about it, it's gonna be okay. And you're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. All my worries just gone, disappeared right then and there. I, I personally doesn't work that way for me. Maybe that's because I just have like an absorbent amount of anxiety in my life and I'm just always worried about the next thing. Maybe there are some people that are a lot more zen than I am. I just haven't attained that transcendence in my life. Uh, But I feel like this right here is some really futile advice, particularly whenever uh, Jesus goes on to say things like, don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. I'm constantly worried about the next meal. And it's not because I have like any kind of significant need and I don't know where my next meal is coming from. That's just where my mind goes. I've already, in in the the course of us being in worship, have thought about what am I gonna have for lunch after this? Anybody else? (laughs) Talk about I I would love that. That would that sounds magnificent. Um, But but think about the people that Jesus is saying this to. Okay, so this message here comes during the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has this multitude of people gathered around him. And most of these people are uh, from poorer regions, okay? Uh, Most of them, uh, this is in the region of Galilee. Uh, Most of these towns are fishing towns, you know, that's how they make their living. Uh, Most of these people do worry about where their next meal is coming from because they don't have the kind of uh, security that comes from a uh, Publix being right down the road or Target or Walmart or, you know, have Whole Foods delivered to your front door or however you get your groceries. Uh, Yeah, so they did worry about these things. And so this is even more futile advice for Jesus to be giving them. Don't worry about it," Jesus says, and they're like, "But Jesus, we're poor. That's what we do. We don't know where our next meal's coming from. You're not always around to be splitting up fishes and loaves all over the place. We have to be concerned about this. Anxiety is a very real part of the human condition. It's just part of our experience as being humans. We worry about things. And, and it's because we have this concept of the future. We're able to you know, actually imagine the future. We're able to actually consider if I make this choice and this thing happens, then I can, I can picture, I can imagine what's going to happen next. And anxiety rises even more whenever we go through that process and we say, I make this choice, or this thing happens, and then next happens this or this or this or this or this, and you know, before you know it, you don't actually know what's going to happen next. That's whenever anxiety starts hitting really hard. And over the past two years, we'll say, anxiety levels in the world globally, have risen sharply because we're not so good at predicting things anymore. Because now all of a sudden there's a pandemic and we don't know when another variant is gonna come rampaging through and we don't know you know, why on earth there are all of these mixed messages about you know, what we're supposed to do about it. Do we mask? Do we not wear masks? Do we get vaccinated? Do we not get vaccinated? Do we even listen to the news anymore? Do we just keep on our Facebook feed and take the advice from the people who are just posting there? No, don't do that. Um, yeah, this, we're, we're in a season of, of just complete chaos. And for one more time, I'll use the word an unprecedented season, right? And so anxiety has risen sharply across the globe. And, uh, and much like the people in uh, Jesus' time that he's saying, therefore, I tell you, do not worry, uh, our worries and our concerns are based Largely on our needs, what we need. Try to stay away from the speaker. I'll be right back. Yeah, I didn't see this coming. Did you? I didn't have anywhere in here to put this. I had to put it in the hallway. This is why a lot of churches have introduced screens into the worship space, so pastors don't have to carry around a whiteboard. While I'm setting this up, can we get a big hand for George and Laura Davis? They got this for us. This came from them, yeah. Much appreciated. Love a good whiteboard. So like I was saying, our worries, our anxieties, are based largely on our needs. Anybody take an intro to psychology course in high school or college? Yeah, a couple of hands. Yeah. Yeah, That my, my intro to psychology course is actually what made me uh, want to go into the mental health care field. Gosh. I'm surely going to break something in this process. Okay, there we go. So in that intro to uh, psychology course, anybody have an idea of what I'm setting up? What's that? Maslow, Maslow. yeah, anybody remember Abraham Maslow? You've heard me talk about him uh, a couple of times before. Uh, Abraham Maslow, uh, by the way, Jewish, uh, and his uh, thought process came based on his Jewish experiences and culture, um, set up this Notion called a hierarchy of needs, in which he assessed, uh, similar to other uh, psychoanalysts at the time, that we, our motivation most particularly, is based on what our needs are. And he says, in order for us to be able to focus on something else and be motivated to accomplish something else in our lives, we need to be able to satisfy our needs. And if we're unable to satisfy our needs, then we start to spiral into a uh, system of anxiety or depression or other uh, kinds of internal conflicts. So at the base of his pyramid, if you can read my handwriting, that would be spectacular. Uh, physiological needs are at the base of the pyramid. Can anybody guess what these are? Food, water, shelter, warmth. Um, yes, everything that it takes for you to stay alive, those are your physiological needs. Uh, if, if any of these needs are threatened, your focus is going to be around that. Uh, like say say you haven't eaten in a while, uh, where does your mind t- typically go if you're really hungry? Food, yeah, that's just the way our minds work. We're trying to satisfy those needs. Uh, once those needs get satisfied, the physiological ones, we then have our safety needs or security needs. And these needs, Anybody guess what these are? I mean, they're kind of self-explanatory, but... <laughs> it's the, the need to feel safe. Um, but not not just, you know, regular kind of safe, like you so you don't have to worry about a bear coming at you. Uh, that's yes. But also, financial safety, that's a big one. Financial safety is huge. Uh, being able to feel safe in your environment, feel like the people around you aren't going to be... Uh, terrible to you or rude to you. A lot of people working in uh, restaurant, in the restaurant business are struggling with this right now because for some reason, uh, restaurant business and also airlines, because for some reason we got like really mean toward one another over the past two years and yeah, safety needs are threatened. After safety, i am have to start taking up more space here. Um, do a single word. Our love and belongingness needs. Belongingness, yeah. Uh, the, The need to feel like we belong somewhere, like we have a place where we fit in, a place that accepts us for who we are. Uh, so our love and belongingness needs, these are everything from intimate relationships to having friends to being to feeling welcomed in our own family, uh, which that can sometimes play into safety needs, but also here, uh, to be able to feel like we have a place and a people that we fit into, that we're a part of. Welcome, church. Uh, yeah, that's our love and belongingness needs. After that... Come, our esteem needs, Uh, and these are. This is the need to feel like we're good enough. Uh, The need to feel like we can accomplish something, that the things we do matter. That sort of stuff. That's our esteem needs. And then, at the very peak, comes a weird term. I can write faster than this, but I want you to be able to read it as best as possible. Self-actualization. This is like the peak of uh, what it means to be you. To to self-actualize means I have made it. And not just like made it up the corporate ladder or made it like whatever the American dream term for that is. Uh, It means to be able to say that who I am is exactly who, I've always meant to, who I have always been meant to be. That's to self-actualize. Now there are other tiers within this frame uh, that get added in later on. One of them is transcendence, which uh, goes up here at the very peak, and that's our spiritual needs. Um, but this one gets a little bit more complicated, so we're just gonna uh, stick to these five right here. So this is a hierarchy of needs, physiological needs, safety, love, and belongingness, esteem, and self-actualization. Before we can focus on any of the upper tiers, we have to feel secure and accomplished in one of the lower tiers. So you're not all too concerned about being the best version of yourself if you're hungry. In fact, most of us are not the best version of ourselves when we're hungry, right? if your life feels like it's in danger all the time, or like you are in uh, fiscal despair, you're not all that concerned about the people around you, interestingly enough. Uh, most, most people in, uh, uh, in America, uh, different countries are, are different, most people in America get stuck about right here, love and belongingness needs, particularly during our modern day and age where uh, loneliness is becoming more of, more of an epidemic. Um, most people who are well off uh, from birth get stuck about here at esteem needs. They always feel like they need to do better, be better, uh, impress somebody. Very few people actually get to hear, uh, and particularly transcendence. Very few people actually get to hear. If you if you feel like you've experienced this, I, I'm being genuinely honest, I want you to come and talk to us about your experiences in life and what it takes to actually feel this. Um, so I've made this huge digression here for a moment to talk about uh, anxiety and worry. Get away from the speaker. Because our anxiety and our worries are very much linked to our needs, the things that, we, uh, that in our life we feel like we may be lacking. Our, uh, we start to worry about stuff whenever those needs that you see there aren't met. Uh, But the thing is, worry and anxiety, they are largely uh, future-oriented experiences based on our present circumstances. So based on what I'm experiencing right now, I am trying to anticipate the future, and all of a sudden, everything that makes me who I am starts to try to push push itself into the future. Tomorrow is Monday. I'm worried about the beginning of the work week or the beginning of the school week and what all is going to be going on the rest of this week. It pushes us on into uh, tomorrow. But there's not a whole lot we can actually do about tomorrow. We can do planning and preparation and stuff like that, but it's you know, kind of a 50-50 shot as to whether or not it actually makes a difference. Those, those statistics aren't accurate. It's just you know, I'm exaggerating for effect. Uh, as morbid as it may sound, we really are only guaranteed today. And barely today at that, you know, at, at any moment. You know, we're, we're, we're only guaranteed really right now. Oh good, we made it into another moment. OK, clear. Uh, But this notion that we are only guaranteed today isn't meant to keep our focus on death. No, this isn't about death at all. Rather, it's meant to help us see that today is the only day uh, in which we can live. Today is the only day in which we can live. We have left yesterday, Saturday, It was what it was. Maybe it was a great day. Maybe it was a terrible day. Maybe it was somewhere in between. Maybe you didn't do anything just to make sure it wasn't anything more or less than a day. Uh, Either way, whatever yesterday was, it's gone. It's behind us. It's in the past. We cannot do anything to change yesterday. However, where we live now, the present, is composed of the results of yesterday. Some of the things that happened yesterday have gotten us to this point. Maybe it was maybe yesterday. You got just enough sleep to be able to wake up to be able to get here this morning, right? Uh, whatever yesterday might have held, like that's what made yesterday yesterday and allowed us to get into today. Now we have not yet arrived at tomorrow. Tomorrow's over there. We're not there yet, but we will be. Pending anything happening, uh, we will get to tomorrow, and tomorrow will be made up of our choices today. But that's tomorrow. We won't get to see the effects of that or live into tomorrow until we get to tomorrow. We only have today. So whenever I'm saying uh, that we are only guaranteed today, what I'm saying is that today is the only day that we can live in. We can't live in yesterday as much as we might dwell on yesterday. And we can't live in tomorrow as much as we might worry about tomorrow. We only have today. And worrying won't change the fact that we only have today. So, what does that mean for today? What does that mean that today needs to be? When I say carpe diem, what comes to mind? And I will say before you answer, if you say coffee, you and I are best friends. (laughs) Love carpe diem's coffee shop. Yeah, it's great. Seize the day, yes. Yes. Carpe diem. Seize the day. It's an expression that encourages us toward intentionality. To actually take hold of this day and make the most of today. It's an intentional choice. It calls us to recognize that today is the most important day ever. Today is the most important day ever. Why? Because yesterday is past, and there's nothing that you can do to change it. And tomorrow isn't here yet, and we can't even really do anything in tomorrow because it's so far away still. All we have is today, and that makes today the most important day ever. So if if we can embrace this one day as more important than days later, then we have what we call the resiliency, and that's an important word, the resiliency to overcome worry and anxiety. Because, like I said before, worry and anxiety are based on our present needs but concerned about them in the future. All we have is today, though. All we have is really right now. And so we we stop being concerned with things that only impact us whenever we start to take this step of intentional faith. Now, I realize we've been two weeks since you know we talked about intentional faith. It's last week, Covenant Players. But before that, intentional faith is what we started talking about. And intentional faith applies to today. It's a choice, like we said, that we make today, and we can only make it today, because yesterday, or we've left yesterday, we're not at tomorrow, all we have is today. And so I need us to take a moment and consider how intentional faith might impact today. If we're not going to worry about tomorrow and not going to dwell on yesterday, then we need to be aware of what it might mean to stop being concerned with the things that only impact us and start being concerned with the things that impact the people of God. So maybe a different way to consider this is, if today was the most important day of your life, how would you live it? If today was the most important day of your life, how would you live it? would you be here? I hope not. church is great and everything, and obviously, you know, that's my whole vocation and whatnot, so I really enjoy it when y'all are here. But if today was the most important day, I would hope that we might have the courage to go out and make it an important day for somebody else as well. There's this, uh, whenever I was in middle school, uh, I was part of a number of Christian organizations because I was just all about it. Uh, And one of them was called First Priority. I don't know if other schools had this particular club. It was called First Priority. It was a club that met on Tuesday mornings uh, in this classroom. And every single Tuesday morning, you walk into this classroom where we meet and had like a devo and everything. But, But as everybody's gathering, only one song ever played as we were gathering. Only one song. I'm not even going to ask you to guess what it is because we'd be here for forever. Uh, Only one song. It would play on repeat until everybody was there. Tim McGraw, Live Like You Were Dying. On repeat every single Tuesday morning. So I became very uh, familiar with... uh, (laughs) I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, you know. I got to know that song pretty well, Uh, but it you know it gives a pretty uh, significant message to live this day as if it's the most important day of your life. And yes, we still have to think about the future, right? This is not what I'm. I'm not saying. That we, are, uh, that we need to start ignoring the future, stop planning, stop doing that sort of stuff. No, that's not what this is about, this whole worrying concept. Rather, this is about doing something today. Doing something today. Something, at least. Recognizing that it is more important than anything you could experience tomorrow. And we do so in intentional faith. So Jesus sets up this conversation by saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Don't worry about these things. Instead, the first thing you should be concerned about is, anybody remember? Yes! Seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. That's the first thing that we should be concerned about. So, Ask really quick. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness? What does that mean? What's that? Prayer. Prayer. Sure. Other thoughts. Salvation. Love. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're trying to we're trying really hard to encapsulate a really powerful idea into just a few words here. Uh, I'm going to be real honest. The only way that we could really say what Jesus is saying here about seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness uh, is if we were to go back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Our passage today comes toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has just given everybody there a picture of heaven, and it starts with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, you know, all of this stuff. And it goes on into all of these other, uh, all of these other discourses about, you know, what it means to live in the kingdom of heaven. And, and really, if we're going to get down to it, if we're going to answer the question about the kingdom of heaven and what it means to seek first the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, what we need to do is come back to Maslow. See, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is about my physiological needs, my safety needs, my love and belongingness needs, my esteem needs, my self-actualization. When the kingdom of God is about our needs. The kingdom of God reframes Maslow's hierarchy of needs and starts talking about us as a collective, as humanity, and starts talking about our physiological needs. You might have your physiological needs met. You might. And there might be somebody who's sitting next to you or somebody two houses down from you that does not. And the kingdom of God says, that's not okay. We need to meet those needs because we as a people are not going to come to the top of this without meeting those needs. You might have your safety needs met. You might feel very secure in your life right now. And the person next to you, the person across the street from you, the person on the other side of the world from you, whatever, might not. And seeking first the kingdom of God says, that's not okay. If we as a people... And yes, scripture more often than not speaks of people as a collective rather than just individuals. We need to meet our safety needs and our love and belongingness needs and our esteem needs to be be an accomplished community and our self-actualization and transcendence needs to be the best community that we can be, to be as we were intended to be from the very beginning and what did God call it? Good. So to seek first the kingdom of God is about taking Maslow's hierarchy of needs and and shifting its perspective from my to our, because, sorry, that's a lot of noise, because God is concerned with the collective, with people, with humanity, with all of us. And God attends to all of us by the most prevalently available resource uh, on earth, us. And so in order to make this shift of needs from my needs to our needs, this concept shift, in order to get past the worry of tomorrow, because what's the worry made up of? our unmet needs, in order to get to the whole do not worry concept, we need to make each day a day of intentional faith. A day of intentional faith. And so that's my challenge for each and every one of us today, to make each day a day of intentional faith. And what does it mean to be intentional? Anybody remember? What's that? A sure thing, yes. A sure thing. Yes. Deliberate, purposeful, a choice. If today is the most important day of your life, would you choose faith? Honestly, uh, you can feel free to answer that question for yourself. Would you choose faith? Because that's what the Sermon on, on the Mount tries to get at. That's what our passage in Matthew 6 tries to get at. That's what all of Scripture in the Christian life is trying to get at, that we have today. That's that's where we live. Right now, in the present, we are uh, strictly confined to this dimension. We are not fifth-dimensional creatures. We cannot just encapsulate all of time in a single moment. Rather, we have today. And we are called to make the most out of today through intentional faith. These are intentional days. So let's take this shift from my needs to our needs. And make today, and when we get there tomorrow, a day of intentional faith. And let us pray.